So years ago, when I was a youth group kid, I was on a retreat, and at the end of the retreat, they asked us to kind of clean up after ourselves, which teenagers are so good at. And so I, got, I grabbed the vacuum, and I was vacuuming around a little bit, and then my, I gave my buddy the vacuum, and we came up with this idea to prank some of our friends that were in another room. And so we had some friends across the hall, and then some girls in some other parts of the area. And so my buddy took the vacuum, which was still running and plugged in, down to the girls' area, and he was vacuuming, and I could see him and he could see me, but the girls couldn't see me, okay? So the way that the rooms worked, I, we just planned it out that way. And the trick was this. The prank was this. We, we wanted to get them to believe that just like when you take a hose that has water running through it and you kink it, the goal was to get them to believe that the same is true with an electrical wire, that when you kink it, it shuts off the electricity, okay? And so he's in there, and he did it the first time, and sure enough, the vacuum turned off, and they were like, how'd you do that? You know, like, they were just like, they couldn't believe it, you know? And so then, you know, then he like unkinked it and went back on. They're like, this is amazing, you know? And the truth is I was in the other room, obviously watching when he would kink it and I would unplug it from the wall, you know? And so here these girls are completely amazed and blown away. They can't believe it, you know? And I, I'm just wondering, I mean, we, we left the retreat having them believe that, you know? And so um, I, I don't, I just, I wish I could have been there at the moment when they tried it with their own friends and they're kinking the wire and nothing is shutting off, nothing's happening. And, and I just wonder when they eventually traced it back to, oh man, maybe someone was actually unplugging it. Because the truth is, is that power source is, is all about being plugged in. And the same is true for you and I as followers of Jesus. I want to encourage us for four weeks with reasons why we need to be plugged in to God. It's just as vital as something that needs electricity being plugged in to an outlet. You and I were designed to be plugged in to God. We were designed to have this amazing, connected relationship with him. Now, some of you guys are saying, well, what does that mean, Doug? What does it mean to be plugged in to God? Well, here's what I think it means. I think it means that we are God-conscious, that we go through our day and our week, and we're God-conscious. We're connected to him. We're plugged in. And when I say plugged in, I guess I mean we have an open line of communication, which means we're praying and we're talking to him throughout our day and our week. It's a relationship like anything else that we're listening sometimes even, saying, God, is there anything you want to say to me right now? We're opening up God's word. We're, we're plugged in. We're connected. We're with God's people. Do you know this counts? Some of you guys just thought like you got to come and hear a great band. When you come and you're surrounded with the people of God, you're plugging into God. You're plugging into who he is and growing in your relationship with him. And so I just want to spend several weeks talking about why it's so important that we live our lives plugged into God. See, I grew up very legalistic. What that means is you're all about rules, okay? And so my time with God, so to speak, was all about me thinking I was kind of doing him a favor, you know? Like, I'll do the right thing and open my Bible. I'll do the right thing and pray. I'll please God. I'll show him that I'm, you know, serious about this and that and that I can make him happy. And, you know, it was all about really trying to please God. And pleasing God's a great thing, but the, the reality for me was this, this relationship wasn't, wasn't an actual relationship. It was just kind of me taking an allotment of my day and saying, okay, this is God time, and I'm going to please him with this time. And then it was like I went the rest of the day, and I just unplugged, and I just did my own thing, and I got into all kinds of sin and trouble and a mess because I just kept unplugging. I kept kind of leaving the power source. I kept saying, all right, that was my God time and that's gone now and I can just kind of go and do my thing. And so I want to talk with you guys for these next four weeks about what we miss out on when we unplug. Why is it such a big deal? Doug, are you telling us not to unplug from God, not to disconnect, not to close the lines of communication? Why is it a big deal? What do I miss out on when I unplug? And then I want to talk with you about the opposite. 
What do you gain when you stay plugged into God? Why is it so important that you and I stay connected to him? Be it through his word, through prayer, through hanging out with other Christians, just being God conscious, listening, keeping the relationship alive and open. See, the truth is, is that when you and I go to spend time with God with the attitude that we're going to do him a favor, really, we're, we're, hurting, our, we're hurting ourselves. We're, we're completely missing the point. And when you and I decide that we're going to unplug from God, we're going to disconnect from God, we really and truly only hurt ourselves. Like God's, God's, I mean, I'm sure in the same way that a father, like I have some kids, a, a father looks at his kids and maybe they don't want to spend time with him. I, I'm guessing there's some degree of hurt there. But I'll tell you what, God's not insecure like I am, you know? So like God, like if you don't spend time with God, I'm sure, you know, he loves you and I think he wants you near him, but I don't think he's up there like feeling bad about himself, okay? It's you and I who hurt ourselves when we decide to unplug from God. Uh, I told you guys a few weeks ago that our family took the plunge and we got a dog. It's been an interesting month. And um, one of the things that's just incredible is watching him chase his tail. Do we have people here in the room that are just, mar- I marvel at the, this, this thing of him chasing his tail. It's just it's so funny to me and so crazy to me and so ridiculous to me. And uh, I was thinking about how stupid he is, honestly, and how ridiculous it is that he does this. And then I saw this, this quote from this great theologian, uh, theologian Chevy Chase. Um, he said this, saw a dog chase its tail for 10 minutes and thought, wow, dogs are easily entertained. Then realized I just watched a dog chase its tail for 10 minutes. <laughs> and so that rings true a bit. But the crazy thing about my dog is that as he's chasing his tail and then sometimes actually catches up to it, and how that works, I don't quite know, but catches up to it and then he's sitting there gnawing on his tail. You're like, what is wrong with you? You're hurting yourself, right? The other thing he loves to do is he's got these big floppy ears. He can actually catch his own ear in his mouth and he starts gnawing on his ear. Now my son Landon, who's five, likes this so much that he sits by the dog and bends his tail around into his mouth for him. So that he can easily gnaw it. And then also his ear. He pulls it down into the dog's ear. Dog's sitting there chewing on his own ear, you know. I don't know who has more problems, the dog or my son. But I keep thinking to myself, you are hurting yourself. Like, don't, don't you have nerves there? Don't you feel? Maybe they don't. I don't know. There's a vet here. Do they have nerves in their tail? They do. All right. Thank you. All right. So don't you feel that? Why are you hurting yourself? So I paid him. That made the illustration work. Um, but, but that, that is completely hurting yourself. And the truth is that you and I, when we decide to unplug from God, the only person we're hurting, well, not the only person, but the main person, let me put it that way, the main person that we are hurting is actually us. We decide just to stop tuning in. We stop staying connected. We, we decide to choose all these other things over time with God. And then let me be clear. I think time alone with God by yourself is really important. It's an important part of your relationship with God. But I think just as important is the ability to be able to go through your day and communicate with God and just stay in that conversation with God and be in this growing relationship with God. And so that's what I want to talk with you guys about for the next couple of weeks. What do we miss out on when we unplug? And then what do we get? What's the result? What's the benefit of staying plugged in? And I think you're going to want all the things that you get when you stay plugged in, because God's a good, gracious, giving God. And when you plug into him, he's going to continue to pour out into your life and my life. So today, here's what I want to talk about. I want to talk about the fact that when we unplug from God, when we disconnect, when we close our Bibles and we don't open them for a week or two, we don't pray, when we stop the conversation after we read our little devotional, five-minute devotional in the morning, and then we don't think about God until the next morning in the five, another five-minute devotional, what we miss out on 
are, are, are these things. I think it's all the amazing things that we see God do in the Bible. You ever been reading your Bible and you see God do all these amazing things? And, and you know what you think? I know it because I think it. How come I don't get to see God do those amazing things? How come I don't get to see God do what he did in the Bible? In fact, if you're not a follower of Jesus, that's probably one of your big gripes. Is man, I, Maybe you grew up in Sunday school or maybe you, you've just been coming here for a little while. And you've heard us talk about a God who responds to prayer and does miracles. And you're thinking, I haven't seen any of that. I'm not going to believe till I see any of that stuff. And I think so often we, we look at the Bible and we're thinking to ourselves, I want to see what they saw there. And I think one of those things we'd love to see is we just love to see God heal somebody. You know, somebody we care for, somebody that we love. Just completely heal them. Do a miracle. Do something every doctor would say, we have no explanation for this. This is proof. I'm not talking about some silly thing you see on the internet where the guy knocks the other guy over and he gets up and he's like, I'm healed. And then a week later, he's back on the wheelchair. I'm talking about the real, genuine thing. I think we'd all love to see that, right? I think even if you're not a follower of Jesus, you'd love to see that because that would maybe be some evidence that God's actually there. And that's what we see in the scripture, right? And I think we miss out on that. And one of the reasons we miss out on that is because so often we just unplug from God. I think another thing a lot of us would love to see, I think we'd love to see people that we care for come to know Jesus. I think we'd love to see a ton of people just come to know who God is and have the peace that we have and the hope that we have and the love that we have. I think that's something that's attractive to you. And I think as you read the pages of scripture, you see like all these amazing things. And there are times thousands of people would come to know God in one day. And there are other places like we're gonna read about today where it says that people were added to their number daily. It means people were coming to know Jesus every single day. I think that a lot of us Christians in the room would love to see something like that. You know what else I think you'd love to see that I think we miss out on when we unplug from God? is genuine community. Genuine community. You, think, you see, I think if I were to poll everybody in this room and say, do you like collision? You'd probably say, yeah, it's okay. I like comment or whatever. And, but, if, but if I asked you the question, do you wish you belonged here better than you do? Do you wish your relationships here were deeper? Do you wish you cared for others and they cared for you in a better and, and more efficient and more intense way? I think every single one of us would say, yes, I wish... It felt more like home. I wish the people cared about each other even more. I mean, they care about each other, but I wish it went to a whole different level. I wish I was a part of a genuine community where I knew I belonged and that people knew me and I knew them and that I was loved and that I loved them. I think we'd all want that, right? And you know what? I think when we unplug, that's one of the things we forfeit is this genuine community that God can create. I'll give you one more example. I think some of us, as we look at the Bible, there's this incredible generosity you see in some people's hearts. You see people who are willing to just give and there's the poor and there's the homeless and there's the hurting and the broken and people just keep giving to them and serving and loving in ways that just seem over the top, if we're honest, right? As we look at it, and I think as we look at it though, there's something that, that draws us in and says, I wanna be like that guy, like that guy or, or that girl. I wanna be like that community that cared for one another at such a deep and real level. You know what? I think all these things, be it healing and miracles, be it people coming to know Jesus, be it authentic community, or be it this incredible generosity, I think these are all things that we can forfeit when we unplug from God. And I think the opposite is also true. That if you and I, if the few hundred of us here right now would say, okay, we are going to live our lives plugged into God, you know what I think would happen? I think we would see God do the amazing things he did 
in the Bible. You see, I think the people in the Bible understood something about remaining plugged into God that we often miss and maybe just forget about. And I'm in on this with you, okay? So I'm not slapping any wrists tonight. I'm in on this with you. So let's look at scripture and let's see what the Bible has to say about this because we really see some amazing things here tonight. I want you to see the things they saw as they were plugged into God. And then I really wanna talk about how to plug in, okay? And so we're gonna look at Acts chapter two tonight. And we're gonna begin to see what they saw. Acts chapter two, these are the verses. These are the verses we read. And we're like, I wanna see that. Verse 43, it says, everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. Okay, who are the apostles? These are guys that were followers of Jesus. It was guys like Peter and Matthew and John. And later on, a couple of chapters later, a guy, a guy by the name of Paul who wrote a ton of the New Testament. And so the apostles are doing all these amazing things and God's doing all these miracles through them. And you and I read that and we go, why don't we see that at church today? How come we don't see all these amazing things happening? How come it's not as easy for us as them? It just seems like they just got together and people got healed and amazing things happened. And the truth is, I think maybe it has something to do with how plugged in they were and maybe how plugged in we are. Look at the next one. Verse 44, all the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. That's that incredible generosity I was talking about before. These people were were ready to just give and give and give. And I've been so proud of you guys. And and I'm so thankful to Steph and Matt and the team that they've mobilized here. You guys have given over the last six months to a year, as long as we've been doing this. Incredible. But I think we can take it up a notch. And you know what? I think it's something that God creates in our hearts as we're close to him. I think the generosity that we're attracted to in that verse is not something we just decide It's not something we just muster up in our own strength. I think it's something that as we are plugged into God, like those people may have been, that God creates a generosity and we begin to see the world through Jesus' eyes. And when people are broken, we break with them. And we say, I'm gonna do something about it. And so here we see this incredible generosity is going on. So, so far we've seen these people who are probably very plugged in to God seeing miracles that we want to see, having generosity that we want to have. Next, 46 and 47. Every day, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. That sounds like a community I want to belong to. You know, that sounds like a bunch of Christians that I want to be around. A bunch of people who get together and are sincere right? They're not fake. They're not giving, you know, fake smiles and then turning around and saying something else about you behind your back as you're walking away. They're not just kind of glad you're there. No, no. These are followers of Jesus who are pumped to be be together. They care for one another. They're going to do what they got to do to be there for one another. You want that community. I want that community. Again, I think community like that comes out of a bunch of people who are plugged in and connected and God-conscious throughout their days and weeks. And then lastly, what do we see happen here? What did they see that we want to see? And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. People were coming to know Jesus every day. Like, can you just imagine that? You know, those of you guys in the room who are followers of Jesus, imagine just coming to church every single week and there's like 100 more people here. 
Like, who are you? Where'd you come from? I don't know, man. I just was talking with this guy this week and I just put my trust in Jesus this week and I'm just trying to figure all this out. And, and then the next week you've, you've got somebody and I mean, we wouldn't even know what to do. Forget going to two services. We'd be like 30, you know, <laughs> just like, like, all right, get them out, get the new people in, get them out, get the new people in, you know, I mean, I mean, just imagine the excitement, imagine the momentum, imagine how exciting it would be for you to be walking in with your family, with your neighbors, with your coworkers, with your boss, with the kids from your school. How exciting would that be? You see, I think things like that more and more began to happen to people who are plugged in to God and God conscious. And so miracles, the healing, the real deal. None of us can stomach the fake stuff. None of us can stomach like, oh, God did this great thing. And then, like I said before, a week later, the guy's in worse condition than he was. That's not what I'm talking about. Authentic, real God doing the impossible. People coming to know Jesus, authentic community, and this unbelievable generosity. Imagine all those things. Now, why them and not us? Why did these people see what they saw And yet it seems so difficult for you and I to see those things. Well, one answer, and I think this is a powerful one, is that God was up to something very specific in human history right here, okay? In the first century, God was doing some really powerful things. And I think we all can recognize that when a guy is put up on a cross and he dies and then he raises back from the dead, that creates momentum, okay? So I think something was going on here in the first century that was really intense, and God chose and handpicked that time in human history to come and do a lot of these things. But I think there's a second answer as well. And the second answer, the second part of this, comes from the verse right before the ones we just read. You see, we just read that the people saw miracles, they had genuine community, they were generous, and they saw people come to know Jesus. But what does it say right before that? Look at verse 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. You know what that verse very simply says? And we're going to kind of look at it and really dive in deep on what this all means. But that verse very simply says the people of this time, this brand new baby church. I mean, Jesus had come back to life not too long before this. This is grass, you know, ground roots. This is just the beginning. These people devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Now we're going to talk about what all that means in just a second, but when's the last time you really devoted yourself to something? Some of you guys are incredibly devoted to different things even right now. Some of you guys are all about your job. You just got a promotion or you're trying to transition into a new role or a new, a new job in a different place and you are devoted to it. You are learning, you are studying. I have several friends right now that are transitioning into becoming cops and they are devoted. They are working hard. They're getting haircuts. They're trimming mustaches and beards and all that they got to do to be acceptable to the wonderful people of Long Island. Um, and you know they're just going for it and they're about it and they're getting in shape and they're doing what they have to do because that's what they're passionate about. About. Some of you guys, this last season of your life, man, it's just been, I'm going to get in shape, man. I'm going to get jacked, yo. You know, I'm just going to get big, you know. Start picking stuff up and putting it down, right? Uh, and so that's many of you guys. But, but man, suddenly I'm, I'm watching all my friends who used to drink Dr. Pepper with me, and they're all having water, and I'm just the fat guy, you know. And so I'm like, dang, you know. But they're all getting big and jacked. But they're devoted, man. They're devoted. I'm going to drink my Dr. Pepper because that's what I'm devoted to. But, but they're going to keep drinking all their other stuff, and, all, and, and that's great. But some of you guys are devoted to your athletics. Some of you guys are devoted to your schooling. Some of you guys are like, okay, 
I have several friends also this is true of. They are like, okay, I need to get into that school or I need to get into that grad school. I'm just praying God will open doors and I'm just studying. My life right now is about studying. I'm saying no, no to hanging out. I'm saying no to going out with friends. I'm saying no to everything except what's gonna keep me on track with studying. That's devotion. That's devotion. That's what it looks like to say, okay, this is what my life is going to be. About. And you see, what happened here in the first century is these people devoted themselves to these things. They said, this is what we're going to be about. And so let's just look back at this verse here, verse 42, and let's talk about what this all means. What did they devote themselves to? Well, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. The apostles' teaching. Now, we've got to think about that for a second. What I'm not saying is, yeah, man, you guys got to come hear me speak more, you know? You gotta come here, teachers like me, speak more. No, think about the apostles' teaching. What would the apostles' teaching eventually become? It would eventually become the Bible, right? The teaching, the things they taught would then be written down. These letters would go out, right? I mean, Matthew and John, they both had gospels and they recorded what Jesus said. And so the teachings about Jesus' death and resurrection and the things they would teach then were eventually written down and they were passed out and they were sent as letters to different places and cities, and those things now are, are making up the Bible that maybe you're holding in your hand right now or the Bible that's on your, your the Bible app that's on your iPhone right now. And so they devoted themselves to what? Really, genuinely, God's word. They devoted themselves to God's word. And, and the apostles would have taught about the Old Testament too. Okay, so everything points to Jesus from Genesis to Revelation. And so they would have talked about all the stuff in the Old Testament and how all the different sacrifices that they made back in the day were just an example of what Jesus would come and do. And I mean, they would have gotten into all that. And so the apostles' teaching boils down to God's truth and God's word. And so if you and I are gonna plug in and see the amazing things they saw, I think one of the things it's gonna take is being devoted to God's word is gonna be being devoted to opening up your, your Bible software app, opening up your Bible, and spending some time reading God's word. Now, let me just say a few things here. Some of you guys are ready for like super depth, and you, you're gonna, I would encourage you, open up your Bible, and you get your Greek and your Hebrew you know, stuff out, and you just go for it. That's great. Others of us are in a season of life where you need one verse to get through the day. You need that one verse. I, I, I recently was looking at Romans 5, and the one, forget one verse, I was stuck on one word. The word was reconciled. I was stuck on that word for days. You know, I, I'd just been reading through Romans lately, and, and I don't plan on getting stuck on one verse or one word, but that one word just hit me so hard that God has reconciled me, a sinner, someone who's wrong and done horrible things and is broken, to himself, that, he, that I, our relationship is good and clean and pure because of what Jesus did on the cross. And I just kind of hung out with that word for several days. And so I don't know if you're like, I'm ready to go deep and study the Greek and the Hebrew, or right now you're in a place in life where you're just trying to get this kind of all in you, or you're maybe a strong Christian, but you're in a place of suffering right now. And right now, maybe you don't need the Greek and the Hebrew. Maybe right now you need to know you're reconciled to God or, or something like that, something that's gonna stand out in God's word. And so I would encourage you, whatever this looks like, whatever it means for you, to devote yourself back to that. It doesn't mean you spend all day, every day, reading God's word. But it means that there's a, heart, a part of your heart that's devoted to diving into God's word. And whether you grab a hold of one word or one verse or a few verses or a chapter and you just allow that to remain in your heart throughout your day. Stay God conscious 
of the words that you read earlier that morning. Or if you read at night, stay God conscious the next day of what you read the night before or whatever it might be. But this is being plugged in. One of our steps in our process of helping center people around Jesus is to learn. We want people to learn about God and about how to live for God. One of our core values is Christ-centered preaching. We want to keep it centered around Jesus and around the truth of his word. And so I think one of the reasons that the followers of Jesus saw miracles and they had this amazing community and all these other amazing things was because they were plugged in to God's word. You know what I think? I think the same will happen for you and I as we plug in as well. The next thing they were devoted to, and I'm gonna group a couple of these together here, is fellowship and the breaking of bread. Fellowship and the breaking of bread. Now, what does this mean? The fellowship and the breaking of bread is... Sometimes, you know, we hear the word fellowship and basically we think of like bagels and coffee, right? Because as we just live in 2014 church world, you know, we're going to have fellowship. That means we're going to go eat bagels and coffee. Okay, cool, right? They actually take much better care of us. Our fellowship here is like all kinds of epic home-baked stuff, which is legit. But normally you think, you think that. And here's, here's what I want you to see. The word fellowship in the Greek is so helpful. The word fellowship means this. It's a close association involving mutual interests. It's a close association involving mutual interests. And the mutual interests are not bagels and coffee. The mutual interests is Jesus. The reason that these people got together like they did, they formed this amazing community around a risen Savior. One that had died in their place. One they were super passionate about and they were devoted to each other. Like I said earlier, when we come together like this, we're plugging into God. When you're around other followers of Jesus, you are plugging in. You're going to become more like God when you're around mature Christians. When you go to community group, when you come to the homeless outreach, when you are on your service team here, whether you're greeting or you're down in childcare or production or cafe or whatever it might be, when you're serving, when you're with God's people, when you're in that community, guess what? You are plugging in, which will lead to us seeing some of the amazing things that we just read about here in scripture. That's one of the things the Acts Church got right. They got fellowship right. They got close association because of this mutual interest of a risen Savior who came for them. And so that's why another couple steps in our process to help people center their lives around Jesus as a church are to connect. We want people connected in small groups. We want people serving alongside each other, not because we need bulletins handed out and we need great music played, but because we also know that as people are handing bulletins out and playing great music, there's going to be community forming. There's going to be conversations that having. Next thing you know, you're handing out bulletins next to somebody who knows that you're going through a really hard time and you're praying for one another. And so when you connect and when you do these different things, devoting one to one another in fellowship and in the breaking of bread, that's just coming together and that's just hanging out. That's just spending time together. It probably involves communion sometimes. In fact, like I said earlier, our homeless ministry got together last night and did just that. They, they ate and celebrated what God has done over the last several months and they broke bread. They, they took communion and they just spent time thanking God for who he is. And this morning when I came to church, there were several people that came to me and just said, that was so Awesome. Yesterday was just such an amazing time of getting together and really celebrating what God has done. And so that's what we're looking at here. We're looking at people who are plugging in to God's word and to God's people. That's what we've seen so far. That's how these followers of Jesus stayed plugged in. That's what led to them seeing such amazing things. And then the last one here is prayer. 
and devoted themselves to prayer. They devoted themselves to asking God to save people who didn't know him. They devoted themselves to praying that God would fill them with boldness. They devoted themselves to praying that God would do miracles and amazing, amazing, amazing things. One of our core values here is that we're spirit-led. And on our core values chart, that we kind of keep our, our, whole, our whole plan focused through. And as we're looking through that lens, after it says spirit-led, it says we want to be a church that leaves plenty of space to seek God in prayer. I'll tell you, that's another thing this early church got right. They were seeking God in prayer. They were plugged in, communicating with God. Be it together when they were gathered, they would have certain times of the day they would come together and they would pray together. But then there was this relationship, this beautiful, beautiful, awesome relationship that they had with God where they kept God conscious and they kept the lines of communication open. And so I don't know about you, but I would love to see God do some things that only he could do, like heal somebody that I care for. I would love to belong to a genuine, authentic community. And I think we're getting this right on many levels. I'll tell you, my, my wife and I, in the last several weeks have been really difficult. Kelly's been going through so much physically. And so many of you guys have in such loving ways showed that you care. And we're so blessed by that. And we feel that authentic, genuine community thing happen here. And it's such a blessing. And that that, that, that would deepen is our prayer. You want that. You want to be a part of a genuine, real community. That this generosity that God creates in our heart would deepen and that we'd see people come to know Jesus daily, that would be incredible. And so really what I wanna tell you guys today is that when we stay plugged in to God, we'll see him do amazing things. These amazing things we read about, the amazing things you and I always read about in the Bible and go, why not now? Why not here? Maybe if you're not a follower of Jesus, you read these in the Bible and you think, this is why I'm not a Christian because I haven't seen God do these things here and now. But what if we became a bunch of people who said, we're gonna live our lives plugged in to God and we're gonna see how he responds. You know, the people that I can think of in my life that have seen God do the most, they're all plugged in. Not perfectly, we're never gonna get this perfect, right? But these are people that, people that when I look at, I see generally, overall, are people who are just plugged into God and remain God conscious and remain connected and keep the conversation open and they know God's word. And these are people that are seeing amazing, amazing things happen. And so I love the fact that God's given us this awesome opportunity to be plugged in. Now, without like talking and losing complete focus, would you do me a favor? Just reach under your seat. Under your seat, there's an outlet plug. I want you to grab this because I want it to be a reminder to you throughout your week. I want to ask you to put it in your pocket. I want to ask you to put it on your counter put it on your desk at work, put it wherever you want. I've had this in my pocket all day and it's been poking my leg in such an annoyingly good way because it keeps reminding me that I need to buy bigger jeans. No, I'm kidding. It keeps reminding me that I need to be plugged in. It keeps reminding me whenever I feel it, whenever I put my hand in my pocket to get my phone, whenever I'm just sitting there and I lean on it the wrong way or whatever, it's just a gentle reminder that, okay, God wants me to be plugged in. I would encourage you, would you guys just carry this around with you this week in some way that you're going to bump into it a lot? And when you bump into it, it may not be the best time. You might be, you know, just about to walk into a meeting. All right, maybe the next time you bump into it, 
you'll have a minute. Maybe that's all you have. It's just 30 seconds or, or a minute or, or two minutes. But just to say, God, I, I want to stay conscious of you. My, my normal mode is to be so focused on school or work or my kids or everything that's going on. God, I, I just I want to plug, plug back in right now. Are you, are you leading me to do anything? Are you trying to get my attention about anything, God? Or maybe it's, I'm going to think about, maybe, maybe you make a little thing, you know. All right, the first time I, I see this throughout my day, I'm going to remember I'm going to think back to what I read about in Scripture this morning. Maybe the second time you, you run into it, you're going to pray for so-and-so. Or, I mean, you can make it as detailed or as, you know, as, as free and, and just a little reminder as you'd like. But let this be something that just practically brings you back. Okay, stay plugged in. Stay plugged in. Because I'll tell you this, the default mode of all of us is to unplug. Largely due to busyness. Largely due to craziness, largely due to schedules and demands and things that are constantly on our backs. Some of us, it's because of sin. Some of it's because we just decide to unplug. Some of it's because we just really could care less about our relationship with God right now. But I'd say 90% of us, the reason we unplug so often is just because we're so incredibly busy and distracted. And so I'd encourage you to allow this just to drive you back. It's like my professor in college said that, that it always affected me so much that he probably prayed hundreds of 30-second prayers throughout his day. I think that's being God-conscious. You know, he's not, in, you know, in the middle of, his, of the hallways at the school, like on his knees, you know, with tears coming down his face, you know, praying for revival. No, he, he's just 30 seconds between classes. I, I can pray for that person. I can pray for this person. That student told me they were going through a hard time. That, co- you know, that other professor said, you know, there's struggle with his wife's health or whatever. And just 30 seconds, all right, I'm going to pray. I'm going to be God conscious, stay plugged in and connected. And man, I think if we do, we'll see God do amazing, amazing things. There was a guy named John Hyde. He was from Illinois, lived a long time ago, and felt like he should go to India and tell the people of India about Jesus. And as he went, he began to feel burdened to pray for India, not just be there, but to be praying passionately that God would show up. And so he and some friends began to pray for a half hour every day that God would bring revival, would bring just a complete, amazing God thing to India. And they prayed for that. And, and God began to do some cool things. But then John Hyde had a new prayer request. And his prayer request is that every single day he'd be able to lead someone to Jesus. That was his request. So he prayed that for a year. He asked for 365 And in that first year, he prayed with 400 people. The second year, he decided, let's double it. He said, God, I want to see two people a day come to know you. And in that second year, 800 people prayed with him. In the third year, he said, I'm going to double it again. He went for four people a day. I want to pray with four people a day that they would put their trust in Jesus here in India. And history tells us that if it was like three or two, he would be burdened and he would just be like, oh God, why not four today? I mean, this guy was so passionate and wanted to see Jesus do such great things in India. And we know that before he passed away, that India broke out not just in the city he lived in, but in the entire nation of India. And when he died, he had been known for many years by the name Praying Hyde. That's how he was known, Praying Hyde. And you know what? There's no reason that I can't be known as praying Jansen. There's no reason that you and I can't be known as those people who are so plugged in to God, that that would be the thing that would characterize us. And so I encourage you this week, I encourage you as you have opportunity, as you bump into this little gentle reminder, would you just remember to plug in? If you need a Bible, we'll give you one tonight. If you don't understand how to read the Bible, we would love to help you 
know what questions to ask, find a good place in the Bible to start reading. But man, that we would be a church of people who are so plugged in to God. Let's pray. So God, we're grateful to you for the opportunity to plug in, that God, we can be close to you, that we can talk to you whenever we want, that we can go through our day God conscious, conscious that we're saved, conscious that we're loved, conscious that we've been reconciled, conscious that you might want to use us. And so God, we're just so thankful for that. And I just pray for help for all of us because all of us are prone to unplug. And I just pray for your help. If you're a follower of Jesus, would you just ask God to help you in the area that you might struggle in? Some of you guys are great at being plugged into God's word, but if you're honest, you know you really struggle when it comes to prayer. You get distracted, you spend 10 seconds and you're just like out the window. Some of you guys, it's opposite. You're great prayers, but you really struggle with God's word. You don't understand it. It seems confusing. Some of you guys may be great at the other two, but you, you really struggle when it comes to God's people. You struggle with Christian friendships and feeling like you're a part of a genuine community. Would you pray about that? So if you're a follower of Jesus, just spend that time seeking God on these things that these people were devoted to. And just ask God, as I devote myself to these things like they did, as I plug in, would you allow me to see the amazing things that they saw? If you're not a follower of Jesus, just want to remind you of that little word that I used earlier, reconciled. That you've been reconciled to God, that God loves you, that as you put your trust and your faith in him, he makes your relationship with God right. He erases our sin. We sung about that before. He removes our failures. We sang about that before. And that's what God wants to do in your life tonight. And so I would encourage you, as you think about the amazing things we talked about, as you think about being a part of a genuine community or seeing God do a miracle or, or just creating this incredible generosity in your heart or whatever it might be that seemed attractive to you tonight, I think the most attractive thing we could talk about are, are not those things, but something even greater, and that's the love of God for you, the Son of God who took your place on a cross. And so I would encourage you to put your trust in him now, and I would just love for you to just quietly in your heart, between you and God, pray something like this. Jesus, would you be my Savior tonight? Would you forgive me for my sin? I thank you. You've reconciled me to you. You've made me right with God, though I don't deserve it. I thank you for this gift of salvation. I thank you that I don't have to earn anything from you, God, but you freely give your love and you freely bring salvation and grace. In your name I pray, amen.